Welcome to the Rise Higher Podcast with your host, Amos, the Praying Man. Get ready to be uplifted and motivated as we journey together on a path of faith-driven inspiration. In this program, we focus on the power of faith and its transformative impact on our lives through meaningful discussions, personal anecdotes, and reflections on belief we aim to help you discover the strength within you to overcome challenges and achieve your dreams through the power of faith and prayer. Join us on the Rise Higher podcast, where your faith becomes the driving force to elevate our lives and create a positive impact on the world. Together, we can rise higher in faith and inspire others to do the same. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Rise Higher podcast with your host, Amos, the Brain Man. I want to say, first and foremost, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For all the people that have supported our podcast via the multiple podcast platforms, whether it's Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts or Amazon Prime or everything that you can possibly ask for, thank you so much for supporting us and downloading our episodes. Also, I want to give a very special shout out to the people the 171 subscribers that we have on YouTube. Thank you so much. You guys come from all parts of the world. Thank you so much for supporting the prayers and for supporting the podcast episodes on YouTube. We need to get to a thousand subscribers in order to have lives and be more of a positive influence on the world. So thank you so much for that. We're getting closer. We're getting closer. I feel it. This month's goal is just to get to 200. So we are... 29 subscribers away from completing that i thank you guys for that and i'm very very happy that you guys are liking the content and thank you for all the likes and the comments on youtube so if you're a friend of the podcast join us on youtube so that way we can give you even more content like different prayers and you can actually reach out to us at rice higher media llc at gmail.com that is rice higher media llc at gmail.com and send us your story or send us the information of somebody who you want for us to pray sometimes we want to share our story can be anonymous of course and just share your story so we can pray for you so we can share it with the world and we can all as a collective have a better understanding of what faith is however today of all days because of i'm so thankful for everything that has happened this week and the week before and i want to also say thank you for i know you guys been asking well when's the next episode and when's the next episode of the podcast but actually i was uh, out for a week and a half two weeks actually uh with a knee surgery and i just want to say thank you so much for all the support and all the well wishes and i keep you guys in my heart i am still hurting right now because i'm still going to therapy you know but I wanna, I couldn't wait any longer and I was like, I need to sit down and I want to talk to my people and I want to share this wonderful story that is Job. Job's story, for the ones that don't know, uh, Job was a very successful merchant and what happened to him was that everything was taken away from him, expecting him to renounce God or to curse God and he never did it. Of course, this comes after trials and tribulations and once I tell you the story, Usually what we do is we read the entire story and then I break it down for you guys. But Job's story is actually very, very big, very long. And there's a lot to take in from that story. So what we're going to do is that we're going to go line by line together. And I'm going to be explaining along my thoughts on that. 
and this might be a two-parter we'll see if uh, one hour is enough if not we're gonna wait for the second part and on end of the story on the next podcast so we're gonna see what we can do the, what we don't want to do is we don't want to rush it this is a very good story that teaches us a lot about faith a lot about cycles a lot about trials and tribulations and the reasons of why these trials and tribulations come to our lives so before we get to that i want to say that i have a new section in the program it's called the faithful follower spotlight and this is created to shine a spotlight on individuals who have positive impact on the show or have been committed supporters of the rise higher podcast whether it's with equipment which we direly need or financials to help us pay our bills right so it's not just that too it's also people who have had a positive influence on myself or any of the staff right so Today, I think this Faithful Follower Spotlight is for people who, through their kindness and strength of faith, have a positive impact on the people that they reach out. And today we have a very special individual that I wanted to shout out for a minute now because he's somebody who has strength of heart, he has faith, he's a man of God, and he has a very good positive influence on his community. He is an influencer on TikTok. His name is Official Bowman. That's B-O-W-M-A-N. And through his comedy, through laughter, he's able to switch your day from having a bad day or maybe you're sad or maybe you feel weak that day. And through his comedy and his stories, his wonderful stories, he's able to switch your frown into a smile. Because of that, because he's able to install happiness on people's hearts and because he's a wonderful individual full of humbleness and he deals with hateful comments in a in such a positive way with love and faith that he's able to translate all those negative influences and negative energies to positive which is it's a labor of faith and that's what God wants us to do in our lives so he's a great example to follow and talking about follow he's on TikTok his name is Official Bowman, and we love his content. We try to join him on his lives, and we try to talk about his experiences and all that stuff. Uh, Mr. Bowman, I would love for you to be on the show and for us to talk about faith through your eyes and through your life experience. So if you ever find it in your heart to follow us back, to follow the show on TikTok or YouTube, and to reach out to us if you want to share your story, I would love to have you on the show. So this is my official invitation, okay? Thank you again. And on behalf of the Rise Higher Podcast, we want to extend our heartfelt appreciation to Official Bowman and your unwavering support to your community based on faith and love and comedy. And you're a beacon of inspiration for everybody on the podcast. Thank you so much. I know it's a tough world out there, but you're conquering it through love and laughter. You are our faithful followers, but like of the week. As is tradition on the program, we are going to pray first and we're going to set our frequency in such a way that we can receive the word of the Bible and the word of God and take that information and convert it into something positive for us. I want you guys to close your eyes, tune your heart and find the frequency of God in your heart. And we are going to pray for the ones driving, keep on driving and just listen to our words. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. 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 Let's open our eyes and rise higher. <laughs> oh, this, this makes me so happy to be here, to be back after my knee surgery. It's been a struggle and it's been painful, but I couldn't wait, couldn't wait for another day to share the story of Job with you guys, because the story of Job applies to what we're going through as a community in these times. I call them the times of Job. We are on the times of Job at the moment. We have political unrest, we have environmental chaos, we have economic distress. Everything that could possibly affect us is going at the same time. And I understand that previous generations would say, oh, we had it worse. But I understand also that the cycle, this cycle we're going through right now, is at its end. When the cycle is about to come to a close, things happen faster and faster and faster. That's how I know the next evolution of humans is coming. Because events are happening more often and more often and more often. And our faith is tested more often and more often and more often. More frequently. And you will know that these cycles are God sent. For us to learn the different lessons that we need to learn in order to increase and strengthen our faith. We're going to immerse ourselves in the story of Job. The story of Job is the one in which everything was taken away from him by Satan, and he was expecting him to denounce and curse God, but he never did it. However, the cycles that he went through, the tribulations that he went through, the trials that he endured, could have given him any excuse to do that, and he chose not to. So, we're going to go line by line, and we're going to start thinking about what Job and how Job's life applies to us. It all starts in the land of Uz, where there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright, he feared God and shunned evil. So right away they're telling us that this was a man of faith, somebody who, regardless of what would happen in his life, till that moment he had never cursed God or denied his faith. He was spotless. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned seven thousand sheep. 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. Remember in the previous episode I said, when you have more resources and more money and more power, it is easier for temptations, for human temptations to affect your life, right? So he was right there in the prime spot that everybody wants to be in. He was rich, successful, well-respected, and he was a man of God. He was living in paradise here on earth. His sons used to hold feasts in their homes on their birthdays, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So they were a very close-knit family. The perfect situation, right? The perfect scenario for Job. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would make arrangements for them to be purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. So he was not only aware of his own faith, 
but he also made sure his children were living in faith and them were purified so that way just in case they denied God or cursed God in their hearts they would also be saved so look he was the perfect father right one day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came with them then remember Satan was also an angel he is the fallen angel and God didn't deny entrance to Satan he said come in why because God never ever loses hope in you no matter how bad you are keep that in mind that line 6 of job on the first paragraph you can say comes the biggest lesson of all satan come with them right and the lord said to satan where have you come from satan answered the lord from roaming throughout the earth going back and forth on it then the lord said to satan have you considered my servant job there is no one on earth like him. He's blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. So. Satan knew about Job. He's like, God was asking him, like, man, have you seen this person? Have you seen this person that I have on earth? He's a beacon of hope and faith. He's tremendous. And Satan was like, man, if you take everything away from him, he wouldn't be seeing that. He wouldn't be as faithful. Because to the eyes of Satan, faith is based on the blessings, the material success that you have. He cannot see the true meaning of faith. But even then, God is saying and having patience with him, right? And he's listening to Satan to see what he thinks. And instead, again, instead of rebuking Satan and not allowing him to any connection and having him be in hell, he's giving him a chance. God, through Job, is giving him a chance to understand what faith comes from. Imagine that. And people brush through these lines and they just set up this story. But imagine the power that God has on that. He's still teaching Satan about faith. And of course, Satan is a little bit too obtuse to understand that, to set on his ways. But God hopes that throughout this teaching of Job, that Satan understand what love he has for him and how he can be forgiven. God will never lose hope on you. But let's continue. Such great lessons in such few lines. When you read this, this stories of the Bibles, they, uh, at least they make me so excited because I find these little nuggets of wisdom and I dwell in these little nuggets of wisdom for weeks and I try to break it down. I'm like, why did God say that? Why did this action happen? How does this tie up to my faith in what I'm living? And that's why I said these times that we're living right now are the times of Job because we are being tested in every single way. And we'll see that as this story develops, right? So he says, the Lord said to Satan, very well, then everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger and take everything away from him, everything, but do not lay a finger on that man. That was the only condition. What he means by that is do not strike this man, do not kill this guy. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. It's like Satan, let's go. I'm not going to waste time. I'm going to prove him wrong. One day, when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, 
the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby, and the Sabians attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who escaped to tell you. So somebody stole all the cattle, all the oxen they had grazing, so now all the material stuff is gone. Everything they worked so hard as a family, it's gone. And they killed everybody. So now I'll start understanding where these people come from. The people that harm you, they came from Satan. The people that harm your finances, that try to steal from you, that have no sense of honor and faith, you know where they come from. They are the dark ones. While he was still speaking, imagine. So he was he just got the news that his oxen and cattle were taken and all his servants were killed. And while he was still receiving or kind of trying to make sense of this news, then the second messenger came in and he said, The fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. And then another messenger came in and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. And then a fourth message. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house, and it collapsed on them, and they are dead, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Imagine the lesson we got from that. Imagine the big lesson the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Amen. What happens when everything is taken away? You lose your job. You lose a son. You lose a child. You lose your father. You lose your mother. You lose a brother or a sister. A person who is dear to you. A wife, a husband. He teaches us that even through those trials and tribulations, we cannot allow ourselves to think that this was not God's plan. It's easy to ask why and complain, why me, God? Why am I going through this trial and tribulation? Why am I losing everything that I worked so hard for? In the blink of an eye, is teaching you right there and then that everything that could happen can happen in the blink of an eye and everything that you worked so hard can be taken away because those are things of humans that human created. The economy, the finances, the coin, the money, all that stuff can be taken away by one single calamity. Like the people in Hawaii, they're suffering right now and they're asking themselves why. And every single one of them have to understand that the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. And they have to be strong enough through their faith through their belief of what God is and praise its name. And as a community, come back and reclaim the land. And as a community with faith, find the love they need to come back 
from that calamity because if it was sent there, it was sent there for a reason, for us to understand that all the material things that we have are just material and that what truly, truly matters is the community. And I hope and I send them my love and my blessings and I send them every single prayer on my being for them to find that strength as a community and come back from that. The same thing in Vegas, the same thing in Florida with the hurricane and the waters and the flooding and the fires. We are truly living on Job's times. We have extreme poverty. Everything is being taken away from us. People that we love taken away from us. COVID took a lot of people away from us that we thought were going to be here forever. And this are Job's times. This is the cycling we find ourselves right now. But this story is telling us the biggest lesson there is. It's not that we accept, it's that we understand that as we are giving things, things can also be taken away and that our faith doesn't depend on the material things that we have. And Job said, accepting like everything has been taken away from me, I will probably die next. He didn't know that God protected him. So he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. Meaning, everything that I used to have, I don't need. I don't need none of this. Not one thing. And the things that I love, like my family, were taken away. My children were taken away. And I'm so sad that I will understand if I'm taken away too. My heart is heavy. But I also understand if you want me to stay and suffer through this. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Amen. Do not let the calamities of life, the loss of life, steer you away from God. I know it's hard. I've been through it myself. I know it's hard, but we have to understand that little by little, we will get through it and we will make sure we reach the next evolution of our life. Do not dwell on sadness, but let yourself be filled with the love of God. On another day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them to present himself before him. And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. So the same thing he was doing on day one, he's doing on day two. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He's blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. So God is telling him, like, I know what you're trying to do. I'm allowing you to do it. But guess what? He still maintained his integrity. And then Satan replied, Skin for skin, a man will give all he has for his own life. But now stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Very well, and he is in your hands, but you must spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. So imagine that, since Satan was not successful in conquering Job's faith by taking everything, every, every material thing and taking his children away, it's like, you know what, if that didn't do it, I know the other, his health will play a part on this. As we get older, we understand that the 
the most important thing we can have is our health because we can rebuild everything as long as we have our health, as long as we're healthy enough to go to work, to produce another paycheck, to go from point A to point B. We humans are wonderful creatures. And for the ones that do not let themselves be broken by financial stuff, the only thing we truly, truly try to appreciate is our health. If we have our health, we can rebuild. If we have our strength, we can continue forward. And Satan knows this. That's why when it seems that you have everything and you have achieved everything, he goes for your health. Because he knows that that, that becomes, as we get older, that becomes the most important thing on our lives, right? So he wants to attack that. He wants to make sure Job knows that he's not healthy enough to rebuild his stuff. And he wants to sap away his strength. So he went ahead and afflicted painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Imagine that and how painful that was for Job. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. And his wife said to him, Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. So even his wife at that moment was of little faith and disgusted by his husband's sores and tired of his pain. He said, you know what? Just die. Take the easy route. Just curse God and die because you have nothing else. You don't have your children. You don't have my love and attraction anymore. I don't want you. You have lost all the money that you have. What else are you doing on earth? Just die. You on yourself. And Job replied, You are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Imagine that line. He replied, You are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. That line is very, very important to understand because Job is teaching us right there. He's saying, are we only going to accept the good stuff that we get in our life? But then we're going to get mad that it's taken away. We are going to get mad that we're sick. Are we only accepting the good that comes from God? But when God sends us some type of trouble or we get in, into trouble on our own accord because there's sickness out there that you get without trying to be sick. For example, something like COVID. You're not seeking for COVID, but COVID gets to you you go through that and you would say oh my god i got covid why me i used my mask i sanitized i cleaned everything i was careful and it could be covid it could be any type of illness and it gets to us at some point it's gonna get to you and we need to try to get better but during those times that those diseases do get to us are we going to curse god that we cannot do anything about it but just to endure the sickness and to pray god that we can survive this and sometimes it is like that I had, on a more personal note, I had COVID twice, a couple months apart. And every single time I got COVID, I try to pray more. I try to understand that this sickness is just a sickness and is separate from my faith in my relationship with God. And I went through and he put a stress in my marriage. He put a stress on everything. I lost my job. I lost my finances. I was in debt. And then I had a kidney stone while going through COVID. And then I hurt my back just as I was getting over my COVID bouts. And what I can say was a four-month period. And instead of saying, God, why me? 
why am I going through this? I took the example of Job and I said, God, if you want me to go through this, let me go through this because I know I'm going to be better. If you allow me to be better, I will come with this strength and I will tell the people that listen to me that they can do it too. They can heal and that it's okay that you're going through this, but through faith, you're going to be better. And I got better. I got better. I did not let my faith become weaker, but it made me stronger. Losing everything that I had financially, losing my health and my security blanket made me stronger because my faith became stronger. And one of these days I will share my, my own story with you guys. But this is just a snippet of something that I went through back not too long ago, about a year ago, back in December 2021. Yeah, December 2021, I went through all that. I'll say six months of pure pain pure pain and somehow through my faith I was able to grow a little stronger and get my faith and my health back in track and we continue when Job's three friends Eliphaz, Bildad and Sophar heard about all the troubles that had come upon him they set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him when they saw him from a distance they could hardly recognize him imagine that his lifelong friends who loved them. They saw him, they couldn't believe their eyes. They could hardly recognize the man. And they began to cry, they began to weep out loud, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Imagine the shock of seeing this once great man, not only on the street, but full of sores, probably skinny and looking thin from sickness. They could not recognize him. So they began to cry and felt so sad for him. And then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. They didn't say anything. No one said a word to him because they saw how great suffering was. So imagine out of pure respect for this once great man, the only thing they did was just to sit down next to them. And this is something that we have to understand too. That's a great lesson too because we try when, when people are sick, right, when they're down on their luck, we try to tell them what they did wrong. We try to tell them, hey man, you, you got sick because of that. Oh, you lost your house because of that. We're quick to point fingers and to point out what they did wrong, how everything could have been prevented. And if you notice, we always have all the answers, but we hardly have any answers for what we go through. And then we don't like it when somebody else tells us what we did wrong. But this, this, these people, his friends, knew a little better, and they just decided to sit with him with respect until Job decided to speak. Imagine the respect they had for their friend. Sometimes what a friend needs is just to be listened to and to know that you're there for them. Sometimes that's your kid. Sometimes that's your spouse, your partner. And whatever they're going through, they don't want you to just listen to what you have to say they want to be heard they don't want to be judged and definitely they don't want to be judged by you they want to be heard and they want to be told everything is going to be okay but they have to be ready for that so you have to give them space sometimes when we get into this altercations and discussions with our own family the people that we love we're quick to judge them we're quick to say, no, he was in the wrong. He has to say, I'm sorry. But we have to understand that sometimes 
we just have to read the room and just be quiet and give them their space. But we're going to let them know. We're actually going to go to their house, right? Or we're actually going to go and let them know that we're going to be there for them. A quick text, a quick phone call and be like, hey, I know you're probably not ready to hear me or to share your story. But just I just want to let you know that I'm there for you. And that's it. That's it. And that's what the, his friends did for him. We have fallen into such disparity with media, with having the phone and the cameras, right? We, we, we think that maybe just a quick text or a quick phone call is going to do it. We have lost the, the, the connection, the human connection of just going to the place where people are going through, to their house, to, to their apartment, and, and to let them know, hey man, you know, just there for you. When I was going through my own trials and tribulations, when I was going through my health scares, nobody came to visit. They didn't call me. They didn't check on me. Aside of a very, very few people. And all I was hearing was people criticizing me, laughing at me. But I understood that God is there for me. I understood that sometimes being lonely is a good thing too. Because you don't want to be judged no more. You don't want to be picked apart anymore. You just want peace of mind. And sometimes we have to separate ourselves from the people we thought were close to us and supportive. And we see them for what they truly are. That's a lesson we all have to go through. And you will only learn those lessons when you're going through these trials and tribulations. Especially when you're sick. You will see how flimsy friendships are. Or relationships are. When people truly don't care whether you're here or not. And that's why God is so important. And that's why... The angels and the brothers are so important. And the people that show affection and support are so important. Because those are truly the ones that are going to go through those trials and tribulations. And you better be sure to be there when they are going through their trials and tribulations. We have to understand that we are all connected. So continuing with the story. So the friends are sitting out there. They tore their robes put some dust on their bodies as well in a sign of respect for Job, to be on the same level as Job. They didn't want to show Job what he was before. They tore everything as a sign of respect to become level with Job. That's what we have to do with the people that we try to advise, that we try to understand. We have to come to the same level as them to be understood. After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. See, he didn't curse God, he cursed the day of his birth. He said, May the day of my birth perish, and the night that said, A boy is conceived, that day may turn to darkness. May God above not care about it, may not light shine on it. May gloom and utter darkness claim it once more. May a cloud settle over it, may blackness overwhelm it that night. May thick darkness seize it. May it not be included among the days of the year, nor be entered in any of the months. May the night be barren. May no shout of joy be heard in it. May those who curse days curse that day. Those who are ready to rouse Leviathan. May its morning stars become dark. May it wait for daylight in vain and not see the first rays of dawn for it did not shut the doors of the womb on me to hide trouble from my eyes. Why did I not perish at birth and die as a 
as I came from the womb? Why were there knees to receive me and breasts that I might be nursed? For now I would be lying down in peace. I would be asleep and at rest with kings and rulers of the earth who built for themselves places now lying in ruins. With princes who had gold, who filled their houses with silver. Or why was I not hidden away in the ground like a stillborn child, like an infant who never saw the light of day? There the wicked cease from turmoil, and there the weary are at rest. Captives also enjoy their ease. They no longer hear the slave drivers shout, the small and the great are there, and the slaves are freed from their owners. Why is light given to those in misery and life to the bitter of soul? To those who long for death that does not come, who search it for it more than for a than a hidden treasure, who are filled with gladness and rejoice when they reach the grave. Why is life given to a man whose way is hidden, whom God has hedged in? For sign has become maiden, for sign has become my daily food. My groans pour out like water, but I feared has come upon me, but I dreaded has happened to me. I have no peace, no quiet, I have no rest but only turmoil. Imagine that. That is the first time that Joe felt weak and he cursed the day he was born because in his mind all this is happening because he is in this world and he thinks that everybody who has passed away, who has died, have it so much easier because they don't have to worry about these things anymore. So in this moment of weakness, and it's just a moment of weakness, He's mad, not on God. Notice he never mentions God as in cursing God, but he curses himself because he was alive. And he thinks that because he was alive, he brought this immense pain not only to himself, but to his family and to his servants. So he's, that's why he's cursing. So don't get it twisted. He's cursing the day he was born because he thinks he was the one that caused this immense pain on everybody else. And him, and he's not cursing God, but he's asking God, like, why did you even bring me here? Why did you bring me here? If I was going to cause this immense pain, you should have kept me asleep. Again, he's not cursing God. He's just questioning his existence. The reason why he's here, the reason why he's the source of this immense pain. So his friends listen to this. And each one of them is going to talk. And the way we have to look at these friends, what, what the interaction that he's having with his friends, is the different sides of our soul, our thought process. So, so consider that option. Think about his friends as the different sides of our souls. We all have different sides of our souls, right? We have one that is calm and it keeps us pushing. We have the other side that is angry and sometimes even questioning why things happen. We have another one that is a little more logic and one that is a little bit more emotional. We also have one that says, I don't really care about these things. Why should we? The one that questions everything, right? So the statements of the friends, what they say, it's not just their friends. I want you to open your mind and consider, almost like role playing, consider the friends that came to visit as different sides of Job's psyche. Whatever is easier for you. 
but just I want you to I want to invite you to think about them like that. Eliphaz says, if someone ventures a word with you, would you be impatient? But who can keep from speaking? Think how you have instructed many, right? Think about when you were a boss, how you have strengthened the feeble hands. So again, it's easy to tell somebody to get better. It's easy for somebody to inspire somebody. But once you find yourself in that situation, it's not as easy to listen because we're stubborn and we have pride. But he says, very important, he says, think how you have instructed many. When you were a boss, you were telling everybody, you instructed them. How you have strengthened the feeble hands, meaning how you gave strength and inspiration to others. Your words have supported those who stumbled. You have strengthened faltering knees. Imagine, so you were in the boss. When you're a boss, it's easy to tell everybody what's wrong, right? It's easy to inspire others that you see as, oh man, those are not real troubles, man. It's just something simple. Just do this and that and you're going to fix it. And you tend to be judgmental. Like, hey, I told you how to do it. Why didn't you do it? Right? But his friend is telling him, but now trouble comes to you and you are discouraged. It strikes you and you are dismayed. Should not your piety be your confidence and your blameless ways, your hope? But he's telling you like, all this is happening to you now and now you are acting like that? Like you don't matter? Like you don't deserve to be here? I thought you were strong. I thought you were full of confidence. He says, consider now who, being innocent, has ever perished. Where were the upright ever destroyed, as I have observed? Those who plow evil and those who sow trouble reap it. At the breath of God they perish. At the blast of his anger they are no more. The lions may roar and growl, yet the teeth of the great lions are broken. The lion perishes for lack of prey, and the cubs of the lionesses are scattered. Listen to what he's saying. He's telling him, for what I know, if you're innocent, you will not perish, you will not suffer. If you were upright, nothing will be taken away from you. So he's saying, you must have done something bad, man. So he says, he observed people who plow evil, meaning people who do evil, they will reap trouble. So if you do evil, you will get evil as an outcome. And he says, and whenever God sees those evil people, his breath will make them perish. And just with the flick of his finger, his troubles are no more. And he says, the lions may roar and growl, right? So he's saying, people may complain and act all tough, but the teeth of the great lions are broken, meaning the more battles you endure in life, the greater the lion. A lion becomes great because they endure a lot of battles. So what happens with these lions that have endured a lot of battles to become the king of the jungle is that they become broken. Their teeth become broken from all the biting, from all the fights, from all the scratch. So the more you become great, the more broken you are. Those are very powerful words of wisdom. The lions may roar and growl, yet the teeth of the great lions are broken, meaning they have endured a lot. And because they have endured a lot to become that, they are broken. Usually that's what happens with successful people. He's telling him, he's telling Job, hey, you were a lion, you were a great lion, but you didn't notice how broken you were. You must have done something bad, right? And he says, the lion perishes for lack of prey, meaning they cannot even feed themselves anymore. 
and the cups of the lionesses are scattered, meaning they cannot even control their pride. A word was secretly brought to me. My ears caught a whisper of it. Amid the squinting dreams in the night, when deep sleep falls on people, fear and trembling seized me and made all my bones shake. A spirit glided past my face, and the hair on my body stood on end. It stopped, it stopped, but I could not tell what it was. A form stood before my eyes, and I heard a hushed voice. Can a mortal be more righteous than God? Can even a strong man be more pure than his maker? If God places no trust in his servants, if he charges his angels with error, how much more those who live in houses of clay, whose foundations are in the dust, who are crushed more readily than a moth? Between dawn and dusk they are broken to pieces, unnoticed, they perish forever. Are not the cords of their tent pulled up, so that they die without wisdom? So what is he telling him? He's telling him that somebody as a whisper remember we were talking in previous episodes we we're talking about the times in which satan right or the dark ones come to you as a whisper or come to others as whispers and they influence their thoughts they can just nudge them a little bit and just a degree off and they get to corrupt their road so they also come in their dreams and they tell them like hey and and this is the time he's telling you like during the time in which I was almost, I was sleeping and I was dreaming and I got this, these words, I listened to these words telling me all this wisdom saying, a spirit glided past my face and the hair of my body stood on end. So he recognized he was seeing somebody, an entity, and he didn't know which entity, right? And it stopped, but he couldn't tell what it was. A form stood before his eyes and I, and then he heard a hushed voice, so almost like a whisper, right? They don't have to shout out. They can just tell you as a whisper. Can a mortal be more righteous than God? Can even a stronger man be more pure than his maker? So with that said, he's telling him like, do you think that there's really somebody who is as perfect, if not more perfect than God, who can be more pure than his maker? There's no way that can happen. There's no way that can happen. And he's telling him, if God places no trust in his servants, so he's assuming that God will not trust somebody who's beneath him. If he charges his angels with error, how much more those who live in houses of clay whose foundations are in the dust who are crushed more readily than a moth? Meaning, do you think that anybody on earth is better or equal in righteousness, not the same as God, but in righteousness or pureness to his maker? If even the angels who are considered to be higher beings than us mortals, he still finds error in his way. And he's telling you right there, that's Satan. If he charges his angels with error, meaning he charged Satan with the error of his ways. So he's telling him, you see, God cannot even trust his servants because he's finding errors on their ways. In that description, he's describing himself. He's describing who he is. And now imagine mortals, imagine the people who just live in houses of clay, how worst are they if they're so flimsy they're no angels people here on earth we are no angels imagine how much fault we have on our souls and how quickly we perish so imagine that and then he continues call if you will but who will answer you to which of the holy ones will you turn meaning if you're nothing but a moth 
us humans? Why do we even think we can reach out to God and call upon Him to save us? Imagine what He's saying, that we were not worth of that, worthy of His uh, love and protection. And then continues to say this friend, right, of this entity that He's saying to him on his dream. He says, Resentment kills a fool, and envy slays the simple. I myself have seen a fool taken root, but suddenly his house was cursed. His children are far from safety, crushing a court without a defender. The hungry consume his harvest, taking it even from among thorns, and the thirsty pant after his wealth. For hardship does not spring from the soil, nor does trouble sprout from the ground. Yet man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly upward. He's telling him that we're not worth it. We're not worth it because he has seen us crumble. Remember, Satan is the one that can go back and forth throughout the earth. And he's looking on every single one of us. And he's trying to see if he can tempt us. And he has seen everything. See, he has children die. He has seen the hungry consume harvest. So hungry that they don't, they eat it with the thorns. And they, and he has seen people who are thirsty pant after his wealth says for hardship does not spring from the soil meaning he's implying that hardship is created by man he says yet man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly apart and he's telling his friend right he's telling his friend i've seen everything and trouble finds men no matter what they are so that way is because we find trouble because we're not worthy of god's love that's what he's trying to imply with that imagine the way he's weaving the words to let Epitaph know that we are the ones that fall for our own troubles, that we are troublemakers, that we don't appreciate love. And so far, I can say, most of us, we don't appreciate God. That's why we need to do and rewired our faith in order for us to be able to appreciate the miracle that God gives, that God is in his protection and his love. Because trouble will follow us from the moment we're born, suffering. And then he continues, But if I were you, this is the spirit, again, talking to Epitaphs, right? But if I were you, I would appeal to God. I would lay my cause before him. He performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. He provides rain for the earth. He sends water on the countryside. The lowly he sets on high, and those who mourn are lifted to safety. He thwarts the plan of the crafty so that their hands achieve no success. He catches the wise in their craftiness, and the schemes of the willy are swept away. Darkness comes upon them in the daytime. At noon, they grope as in the night. He saves the need from the sword in their mouth. He saves them from the clutches of the powerful. So the poor have hope, and injustice shuts its mouth. Blessed is the one whom God corrects, so do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. For he wounds, but he also binds up. He injures, but his hands also heal. From six calamities, he will rescue you. In seven, no harm will touch you. In famine, he will deliver you from death. And in the battle, from the stroke of the sword, you will be protected from the lash of the tongue and need not fear when destruction comes. You will laugh at destruction and famine and need not fear the wild animals, for you will have a covenant with the stones of the field, and the wild animals will be at peace with you. Imagine he's saying all these things. If you were a good man, worthy of God's law, he will never let anything bad happen to you. 
that's not correct. But he's trying to influence the friend and telling him if Job has all these calamities it's because he wasn't the upright individual that he claimed to be. He's trying to convince the friend that nobody who has done any harm is worth of being saved. In simple words, that's what he's saying. If you did something wrong, you need to pay for it. God will not come to your aid. That's not true. God is always there to love you. He's not there to judge you. He is there to love you and protect you and teach you what you need to teach so your faith becomes stronger. So you don't, you know that these things that you're going through, that he's there through your faith. But Satan is trying to tell the friend. If he has not come to help Job, it's because Job is not a good human being. Therefore, he's not worth of being saved. And he continues. You will know that your children will be many and your descendants like the grass of the earth. You will come to the grave in full vigor like sheep's gathering season. We have examined this and it is true. So hear it and apply it to yourself. So he's saying, I've seen all these things in all my journeys throughout the world and I know that God will only come for the ones who deserve to be saved. Everybody else will perish. So this is what this entity told Epitaph. Right? And Epitaph, as a friend, told Job, meaning, Job, you're not worth of being saved, man. You probably did something wrong. Because if you were an upstanding citizen, if you were protected as a child of God, you would not be going through any of this. Because God will come in and save you. Remember, these are the, almost the same lines that were used when Jesus was in the desert. We went through that on the last episode, right? And he was telling Jesus, throw yourself from the ledge, God will come and save you. And Jesus said, no, I'm not going to do that because I'm not going to test my Father's love. I shouldn't be trying to prove whether or not my God loves me. I'm better than that. So he's trying to do the same by influencing Job's friend. He told the friend like, hey man, only the, the, the ones, if, if God is, is, is there full of love, and if he loved Job, he would in fact come and save him, but he's not coming, so therefore he shouldn't be saved. And then Job replied, if only my anguish could be weighed and all my misery be placed on the scales, it would surely outweigh the sand of the seas. No wonder my words have been impetuous. The arrows of the Almighty are in me. My spirit drinks in their poison. God's terrors are marshaled against me. So he's thinking that everything that is happening is because he did something wrong and God is punishing him for it. That's what the friend's words, this impact, this influence that the friend had on Job is making Job kind of switch to this state in which he's like, maybe, not maybe he's right. Maybe I'm not worthy of his love. Maybe I'm worth of all this punishment that I'm getting. And he continues, does a wild donkey bray when it has grass? Or an ox bellow when it has fodder? Tasteless food eaten without salt? Or is there flavor in the sap of the mallow? I refuse to touch it. Such food makes me ill. Oh, that I might have my request that God would grant what I hope for, that God would be willing to crush me, to let loose his hand and cut off my life. Then I would still have this consolation, my joy in unrelenting pain, that I had not denied the words of the Holy One. He's saying like, maybe it's better for God not to waste any more time in me and just crush me because I'm not worthy of his love. But even, even then, he says, I will not deny the words of the Holy One. 
meaning I'm not going to be disrespectful. He can come here and crush me, and I'm still not going to curse his name, and I accept his will. That is what he's saying right there on, those, on that sentence, that I would still have this consolation, my joy in unrelenting pain, that I have not denied the words of the Holy One. So even if God comes and crushes him and stops his life, his only consolation is that he has never denied him. Imagine that strength and continues, what strength do I have that I should still hope? What prospects that I should be patient? Do I have the strength of stone? Is my flesh bronze? Do I have any power to help myself now that success has been driven from me? Remember, when everything is taken away, we understand as we live and we continue in the world that the most precious thing is the health, right? Sometimes people that are billionaires, when they are told, hey, you're not going to have long to live, they would trade all their riches for health. So let's try to keep ourselves healthy. That's the most precious thing we have. And then continues, anyone who withholds kindness from a friend forsakes the fear of the Almighty. But my brothers are as undependable as intermittent streams, as the streams that overflow. When darkness by thawing ice and swollen with melting snow, but that stopped flowing in the dry season, and in the heat vanished from their channels. Caravans turn aside from their routes, they go off into the wasteland and perish. The caravans of Tema look for water, the traveling merchants of Sheva look in hope, they are distressed because they have been confident they arrived there only to be disappointed. Now you too have proved to be of no help, he's telling his friend, right? You see something dreadful and are afraid. Have I ever said, give something on my behalf? Pay a ransom for me from your wealth? Deliver me from the hand of the enemy? Rescue me from the clutches of the ruthless? Teach me, and I will be quiet. Show me where I have been wrong. So he's telling the friend, you, you, you say that I'm not worth of God's love, but show me when I have taken anything away from you. Tell me what I have done wrong to receive all these things. You say that I'm not worth of his love and that I have done something bad to receive this disease and that's why God is not coming to help me. But show me, tell me, have you ever paid a ransom for me? Have I ever put you in any type of distress? So he's still in the friend, you see, we often fall into that. We tell somebody, oh no, this is your doing. We judge somebody, we tell them they're wrong, we tell them they're bad persons, that they are not worthy of God's love. And we often don't think about they have never harmed us, yet we still judge them when they need support. And so he continues and he says, Teach me and I will be quiet. Show me where I have been wrong. How painful are honest words. But what do your arguments prove? Do you mean to correct what I say and treat my desperate words as wind? You would even cast lots for the fatherless and barter away your friend. But now be so kind as to look at me. Would I lie to your face? Relent, do not be unjust, reconsider, for my integrity is at stake. Is there any wickedness on my lips? Can my mouth not discern malice? That's what Job told them. And he continues, Do not mortals have hard service on earth? Are not their days like those of hired laborers? Meaning that he acknowledges he, humans have it tough here on earth. And he himself has had it tough building his empire. Like a slave longing for the evenings of shadow, or a hired laborer waiting to be paid, 
So I have been allotted months of utility and nights of misery have been assigned to me. So he understands that he has been given riches and he has also been given nights of misery, meaning that throughout his life he's also been needing help. And it took him a long time and through a lot of effort to become successful without being dishonest, without being a bad person. And he's telling the friend, if you, if you think that I didn't done something wrong, tell me right now so I can correct it. When I lie down, I think, how long before I get up? The night drags on and I toss and turn until dawn. My body's clothed with worms and scabs. My skin is broken and festering. So now he's telling him of his current situation, right? He's saying like, I don't, I don't even want to get up anymore. I just count the hours and I toss and turn because of my skin is broken and festering and it has worms and scabs. Imagine the situation he's in right now. And he's wondering like, what did I do so wrong? According to you, I must have done something so wrong that I, des that I deserve this. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and they come to an end without hope. Remember, oh God, that my life is but a breath. My eyes will never see happiness again. The eye that now sees me will see me no longer. It will look for me, but I will be no more. As a cloud vanishes and is gone, so one who goes down to the grave does not return. He will never come to this house again. This place will know him no more. Therefore, I will not keep silent. I will speak out in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. So he's considering right now. Since he, according to his friend, he has been forsaken. And what else? Is there anything else for him to fight for? Is there anything else he can do? And sometimes we find ourselves in that situation in which nothing else, we know that nothing else we can do will correct anything. And we go, what else can I do? Is there anything else I can do to correct this wrong, to correct my life? And we cannot give up on ourselves. And that is our most weakest. When we try, we need to find ourselves in faith. We need to continue believing that this is something that our Father has sent to us and that we must endure it and learn something from this. And he says, Am I the sea or the monster of the deep that you put me under guard? He's telling God, like, am I so, so bad that you gave me, you took everything away from me and you put me bedridden with worms and scabs on my soul? Am I that dangerous that you have to keep me here under guard? When I think my bed will comfort me and my couch will ease my complaint, even then you frighten me with dreams and terrify me with visions, so that I prefer strangling and death rather than this body of mine. I despise my life. I will not live forever. Let me alone. My days have no meaning. What is mankind that you make so much of them that you give them so much attention? So he's not angered with God. He's just trying to process and understand. If you brought us here, why are we so bad? I see all these things that are wrong with the world and that are going wrong with me. And I hate my life. I don't like this. I used to have everything and now I don't have anything. And I know I, I won't live forever, but why do I have to suffer so much before I pass away? It's like I don't have any, any meaning to live anymore, right? So in this, in this, because again, the influence of the friend and what he said is trying to logically explain why should he even continue being here? Because according to his friend, he's been so bad. He don't even understand what he did wrong. 
And that's, we find ourselves in that situation a lot of times. When we're sick, when we lose stuff, when we lose somebody, we're saying like, man, like, I don't, I don't, why am I going through this sadness? Why have I done so wrong that I need this in my life? I've been a good human being, I'm respectful, I'm loving, and I'm getting all these things happening to me. Why? Right? And if I'm so bad, why am I still here? This is the process of finding your faith. Job is not shying away from trying to figure out what he did wrong. So don't be confused about what it seems like complaints from him. What he's trying to do is to figure out what he did wrong. And if his wrong is so bad, then he will gladly be crushed, right? It says, if I have sinned, what have I done to you? You who see everything we do, right? So he's talking to God, right? If I have sinned, he says, what have I done to you? You who see everything we do, why have you made me your target? Have I become a burden to you? So he's trying to explain why, right? Why all these things are happening to him. It's like, why are you trying to make me an example for others? Are you, are you, am I doing something so wrong? Why have I become a burden to you? He does not understand because until this point, we have to remember, Job has been an upstanding God-fearing citizen, right? He has been a good human. And then he says, why do you not pardon my offenses and forgive my sins? For I will soon lie down in the dust. You will search for me, but I will be no more. So he's telling God like, okay, is this, if these are my final days on this earth, do you think? Maybe he's accepting his faith, right? He's accepting his faith. He's not trying to tell God, save me and heal me and do a miracle. He's saying, okay, if I have offended you so much, am I not worthy of your pardon? Because I don't have so much time left. I will soon, he says, I will soon die. Imagine the condition of his body. It was so bad that he says, I'm about to die, man. I just want to know what I did wrong. I just want to know if, if you can forgive me. And if you can forgive me, I understand that too. But when I die, you will search for me and I will be no more. Meaning that he will not understand those sins that he committed on during this life. And we're going to stop right there. I know the story is intense and it's wonderful, right? And we're breaking it down. We still have to go through what the other two friends said. And again, I invite you to think of uh, Job's friends as us. What, what your soul is made of, what your personality is made of. We all have different sides to us. It's an internal battle, what we go through in order to find our faith. But the biggest lesson is that, if I can put it in very simple words, the first friend, or I, I, as I like to see it, the first side of your soul is the one that is trying to figure out why things happen, why bad things happen to you. If we can put it in simple terms. And what he's doing, the first story is telling you, look into your inner self. Meditate on what you did wrong. Meditate on what may be the cause of this happening to you. Meditate on what the lesson could be. But the biggest struggle that we all have is looking to our inner selves, looking inwards and trying to find where we stand to the eyes of God. So that's the first story of Job. We still have two to go. And then what Job says at the end, which is wonderful. But again, thank you so much and look forward to the next part of this podcast. Uh, which is probably going to take us, uh, I think, probably another two episodes to finish the, 
the Job Arc, but it's a wonderful story and I really invite you guys to, again, support the program through donations, whether it's equipment, we need microphones so we can have interviews with people. We also need donations in the form of money so we can afford our bills and pay all the wonderful people that we have here. But as it is now, you can follow us on YouTube and the quicker we get to a thousand subscribers, and I think it's 400 or 4,000 hours of, of watch or whatever it is. Whatever uh, YouTube is saying that we need to do in order to be monetized, that would be great. Help us get there. I appreciate the support. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here. And I want to bless you guys. And I want to send you all my love and all my healing frequencies to every single one of you. And invite you to send your story via email. Uh, via comment on YouTube, via TikTok as well. We have a big presence on TikTok. And again, send your story. If you want to be uh, more anonymous with it, you can send it to our email, which is risehiremediallc at gmail.com. And you can ask for prayers. You can ask for verses of the Bible that you want or you might not understand and you want us to explain it uh, or see our thoughts on that. And I want to build community that can support each other and be there for each other when times are bad. So with that said, thank you so much. I appreciate every single one of you and I send you all my love. Look forward to the other two parts of Job's story and look forward to the prayers that we have. We have a very good healing prayer that you can say or you can send to people if they're sick or if they have emotional distress. You can send that prayer to them. It's free. Everything that we do here is free. And we do it because I understand that people right now at this moment are going through a lot of financial tribulations. And faith is free. Love of God is free. You don't need to give me anything to listen to these words. But if you do find that in your heart to donate something, if you're in a position that is okay and comfortable with you to donate something, we would appreciate it. And we would use it again for equipment, for rent, for bills so we can grow and have more impact uh, in the community. I thank you so much. Thank you all the staff. Thanks you. Thank you for listening to the Rise Higher podcast with Amos, the praying man. God bless. Amen. 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 Thank you for tuning in to the Rise Higher podcast with Amos, the praying man. We hope today's episode has inspired you to keep rising higher through faith. If you've been moved by our discussions and have a story to share, we would love to hear from you. Send us an email at LLC at gmail.com to share your experiences and be part of our community. Producing this podcast is a labor of love, and we remain committed to keeping it free for all listeners. If you feel inclined to support us in spreading motivation through faith, consider becoming a member for $1 per month or making a donation through PayPal. Every contribution, big or small, helps us continue our mission of love. Remember, your faith can move mountains, and together we can inspire one another to reach new heights. Stay tuned for more episodes, and always remember to rise higher with Amos, the praying man. God bless you.